This is a podcast from HSBC Global Research, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. However you're listening, analystifications, disclosures and disclaimers must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. Hello from Hong Kong and welcome to Under the Banyan Tree, where we put Asian markets and economics in context. I'm your host, Harold van der Linde, Head of Asia Equity Strategy at HSBC. And today we'll be focusing on a sort of regional up-and-comer on a number of fronts, economics, commerce, demographics and the markets as well, all part of the vibrant growth story that is Indonesia. Joining me here in the studio is my fellow equity strategist and demographics guru, Prerna Garg. And we've also got the pleasure of welcoming Joy Wang, our head of ASEAN equities based in Singapore. Plenty to discuss, and I promise I'll try to keep the temple references to an absolute minimum. Let's get the conversation started right here, under the banyan tree. Let's start with some customary facts and figures to frame our discussion. Indonesia is a young country, not in the sense that it's not been around, in the sense that 50% of the population are either millennials or Gen Z, and clearly I am definitely not a member of that generation. On the stock market front, it was the hottest IPO market on the planet for almost all of the first half of 2023, with more companies going public in Indonesia than anywhere else even including Hong Kong or New York. Now imagine that. It's also a country that's looking to the future with a high urbanization rates and a lot going on in terms of infrastructure. In fact, around 1,800 kilometers of toll roads have been built all across the country since 2014. Now it's time to bring in my guests, Joy and Prerna. Ladies, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Harold. Thanks for having me, Harold. Fantastic. Um, Joy... We're looking at the Indonesian stock market, so let's take a step back before we delve into some of the technicalities of this market. Um, how does this stock market look like? What are the key stocks and sectors in, in, in Indonesia? Sure. Uh, I think if you look at the Indo stock market, this is still very concentrated in a few sectors, especially financials. Uh, banks still account for over a third of the market, and uh, that's followed by consumer sectors and uh, the telco sectors. Um, but I think what's interesting is over the last sort of 10 years, we've seen a doubling of stock listed in Indonesia. And a lot of the new sectors, especially e-commerce, are being introduced. And we've also seen fintech. We've seen battery companies and mining companies. So all these are adding to the vibrancies of uh, the Indo stock markets. And there's a lot of young investors that go into Indonesian equities, right? Yeah, for sure. I think all these new economy sectors are getting the interest from the young uh, populations. And I think that's also helping the liquidity of the market, which puts it now at uh, second or third uh, in the ASEAN market right after Thailand. Good, good. So it's banks, it's consumers, it's e-commerce. Uh, it means we need to get a bit of a better understanding of who this Indonesian consumer is. And for that, we have Prona. Prona, you've done some work on the Indonesian demographics, right? Um, Give us a quick rundown of, of how that looks like. So, Harold, the population in Indonesia is large and young. So, Indonesia is the fourth most populous country in the world, the most populous in ASEAN. And the median age of uh, the population there is around 30 years, which makes it one of the younger countries in the world. One interesting thing about Indonesia is that the working age population is rising faster. 
and the old age dependency that the number of old age population this working age population has to take care of it's still low so aging is not a big concern yet and this gives the households more flexibility to spend on discretionary um when it comes to literacy indonesia has made a big progress and um the gender here doesn't impact the literacy rate indonesia has actually achieved gender parity when it comes to literacy however even though women are as educated as men in indonesia still their contribution to labor force that is uh, the uh, labor force participation is much lower only a little over 50% of women in indonesia are actually employed so you're saying it's a young population aging is not really uh, something we need to think about women get the same sort of education as men in indonesia and they're working more but not as much as men yet um how does the households look like uh, are they they're getting smaller so uh, for now in general women they get married early and they have a higher number of children but over time we've seen that these households are becoming smaller the fertility rates are coming down mm. and with this fertility rates coming down i think in general women are able to find more time to work and we see that they are increasingly participating in the working population and uh, that would suggest that these households have a bit more money and and therefore have a bit of room to 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 do a bit of luxury spending or upgrade their spending patterns right and as per the analysis we've done by 2030 indonesia is going to be the fourth biggest consumer group in the world mm. uh, and it'll overtake brazil uh, to be the bigger population so india china the us, US and then, and then, then indonesia is consumer markets so that should be interesting for a lot of companies that want to go into into this market uh, prona in the past jakarta seemed to dominate economic life in in uh, in indonesia and that's the capital of of the country right that seems to be changing is that right that's right so in the past um, jakarta or the broader java island has been the center of economic uh, growth uh, more than half of the economic activity or more than half of the population resides on this island uh, and a lot of uh, that has to do with the stagnant infrastructure spending that has gone into indonesia in last couple of decades mm-hmm. however in last few years with a uh, government getting more focused on spending on infrastructure we've mm-hmm. seen that other islands other smaller islands around java they are picking up a good example here could be uh, sulawesi mm-hmm. that is one of the region that was long dependent on fishing mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time it had rich resources of nickel and in last few years we've seen a lot of companies or fdi yeah, coming in sulawesi uh, yes so, and yeah. with that uh, companies with exposure to nickel or steel they have uh, started activities on this island and with this the their contribution to indonesia's export is rising mm-hmm. so we feel uh, in years to come more economic activity is going to come from islands outside java then being concentrated on uh, the capital of jakarta that's good good um herald in fact you often travel to uh, indonesia over years have you seen any visible changes when it comes to say constructions or infrastructure uh, in the country absolutely i think actually indonesia has come a long way and it, it doesn't only get credit for it by foreign investors sometimes but also by Indonesians themselves. Indonesians complained about the traffic that's really bad. I used to live there in the 90s. I think the traffic was even worse because they were just building out uh, the ring roads that go around Jakarta. Now they have the ring roads, but they also have a subway system for example built out. What is really important in is that Indonesia as large parts of actually of Asia went through the Asian financial crisis in 97 98 and that meant a complete reset 
it meant, for example, that the political system changed, a president had to step down, new presidents came in, it became a democracy, uh, quite a vibrant democracy. It's, it's one of the most vibrant democracies probably in Asia at the moment. Um, but also the banks had to clean up their, literally their balance sheets. They, they look much cleaner now. Um, but yeah, that came with a cost for about, say, 10 years. They didn't really have the money to really invest in infrastructure as they, they would have liked to do. That only came, say, uh, over the last, as you mentioned, the last 10, 15 years or so. Um, and the benefits of that are coming out. So it really that it, it led to a reset that was positive, but also a, a delay in yeah, building out much required infrastructure across uh, across the nation. But hey, the benefits of that are, are, are coming through now. Now, as we've said, Indonesia has a young population and rising spending power. After the break, we're going to bring Joy back in to tell us how that's impacting sectors across the market. Joy, let's first look at one sector. You mentioned that the banks are really a big sector in the Indonesian market. Um, what's going on there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Hera, as you rightly mentioned, uh, they've done a round of cleanup. So I think the banks are now back into the growth uh, mode. Uh, we're seeing very robust loan growth uh, driven by the investment in the infrastructure, along with all the new business setups. Uh, I think what's also interesting is because half of the population is unbanked in this uh, country. Uh, so I think there's a lot more uh, potential you know, room for banks to penetrate. Um, alongside the digital bank uh, actually also help uh, with the financial inclusion. Um, so yeah, uh, we're seeing very strong uh, growth momentum in this sector. Wow. So there's about 100 million people in Indonesia that still don't really have access to basic banking uh, services. So that, that must be a good growth area for these banks. I can understand that. So then let's look at the consumer market. Are these consumers really trading up or is that not really happening? Well, what's going on there? Yeah, when we uh, in the past, when we talk about consumer uh, market, we often talk about noodle consumptions. Mm. Um, I mean, that's still there. Yeah, uh, but quite I tasty think, stuff, you know, by the way. Eh? I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have my weekly fix of that. But, you know, uh, beyond that, we are now seeing a lot more premium consumptions and discretionary consumptions. Mm. And, you know, tra uh, trading up uh, and getting uh, Starbucks consumptions and on the spots where you have Skechers, uh, all these trading ups are happening in the country. Mm. And, and consumers are very confident in terms of spending, um, uh, you know, in the country. In fact, we've done some survey recently um, and we've actually seen a gradual pickup in consumers' uh, confidence. Okay. And more of them are saying that we're going to spend more in the coming year and they're expecting to earn more as well. An interesting side story, I guess, for Indonesia is that as people become richer and uh, have made a bit more money, just like Perna said, some of these factories move into, say, central Java or Sulawesi and employment opportunities rise. One area where they want to spend off is a trip to Mecca, because a lot of them are Muslims, of course. So they initially have to go over that particular expense. It's called Umrah. Uh, and then when that, that is out of the way, then you can say, OK, I've done that. Now, now I can buy my luxury item or car or anything like that. Correct, right? Oh, you're right. Actually, car uh, four-wheeler sales have also been quite strong. And we are now revisiting the one million numbers uh, in the in the country. Okay. So definitely, yeah, confidence is back in the country. Good. So um, it's underbanked. The consumer is uh, up, kind of upgrading. This must be fantastic news for 
e-commerce, right? Because Indonesians are avid users of all sorts of social media. So e-commerce platforms must be flourishing. But I believe the share prices of these, these sectors have, have really come down a lot, right? Yeah, as a consumer, it's fantastic news because we have a lot of e-commerce players in the market. In fact, because of uh, the demographic attributes, uh, the growth that companies are seeing in the market, we see a lot of players. You have Shopee's, you have Lazada, and lately you have all the Chinese e-commerce companies actually going into this oh, country. Oh, they're quite active there as well. Yes, that's right. And, you know, TikTok, and we've seen TikTok actually dominating the uh, headlines in the country at the moment. But having said that, uh, what it also resulted is uh, competitions. So we've seen very intense competition in the market, which is why the stock are actually not doing as well. Because these uh, e-commerce the platforms have to give out discounts just to attract okay. new customers, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You see that more often. Okay. So a vibrant market. There's a lot going on. Very interesting. Interesting sectors. Some of them, as you mentioned, Joy, that have just recently emerged and have been listing. So this this market is broadening. So yeah, no wonder a lot of people are uh, paying attention to, uh, to to Indonesian equities these days. So, um, Joy, this is all positive, but are there any risks that we need to be aware of? Uh, I, I, the elections are coming up next year, so are there any concerns that we should know uh, regarding the elections? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, as you rightly point out, uh, elections coming up. So, in the meantime, I think there is a little bit slowdown in terms of momentum, uh, and we do need to see how election eventually pan out. Uh, we don't think there's significant change in terms of direction of where the country is heading, though. Um, but I think uh, what we're also seeing is intensifying competitions. Indonesia being such an uh, interesting market and high growth market, they're definitely attracting a lot of competitions. As what we've seen in the e-commerce market, you know, uh, the Chinese are going in and um, the uh, Western e-commerce platform are also in the market. Uh, we could see that in other sectors. Uh, including consumers. Uh, we are seeing a lot of new consumer brands going into the country, uh, which could intensify some of the competition. But as a consumer, I think that's great news. A lot more options, uh, a lot more products to consume. Well, Joy, fantastic. Thanks for these insights. Pruna as well. Uh, it seems like it's a really interesting story, but uh, because it's such a great story, everybody wants to be part of it. And, and that might actually be where the risks are in the sense that uh, these margins, these profit margins and the competition intensified, these profit margins are coming down a little bit. Of course, there's a big mining sector as well. Uh, Indonesia is now for the first time really integrated with uh, with the rest of the world through uh, the, the nickel supplies, in particular in, in Sulawesi. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in, in, in this interesting market. And I suspect we're going to revisit it over time again under the banyan tree. Well, folks, anyone who knows me knows that I would love to spend a whole day talking about Indonesia, in particular Javanese temple architecture and things as such, given half a chance. But I'm told we need to really wrap things up here, and I promise you not to talk about Javanese temples anyway. Thanks again to my guests, Prerna Gark and Joy Wang, for bringing their insights to the podcast, and of course, all our listeners for streaming and subscribing. Do also remember to listen to some of the other podcasts that we have, such as the Macro Brief and the ESG Brief. And tune in again, same time next week, where we'll be putting Asian markets and economics in context once again. From all of us in Hong Kong and Singapore, take care and talk to you next time.